0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast, I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. On his way to New Orleans this morning, President Donald Trump pushed back against a New York Times report that the FBI had opened an investigation in 2017 to determine if the president had been working knowingly or unknowingly on behalf of Russia and against American interests. I never worked for Russia. Not only did I never work for Russia, I think it's a disgrace that you even asked that question because it's a whole big fat hoax. Joining me is Brad Moss, a partner at Mark Said. Brad, explain what it means to have a counterintelligence investigation open and the legal implications, if any.
1: Sure. So the FBI, in particular, is the primary domestic counterintelligence agency will open such an inquiry when they're concerned that there's an individual who, whether wittingly or unwittingly, is being influenced by or compromised by a foreign entity. This can be foreign, it's going to be, sorry, this could be U.S. government officials, this could be a constitutional officer like the President of the United States himself. It could be any circumstance where it raises a concern that an individual within the United States has been compromised in some way and that that compromise is adverse to the interests of the united states government and so what they did here what the concern was and some of the leaked transcripts from from congressional testimonies outline this in detail is they were worried when they saw what the president did with firing comey and then having the meeting in the oval office With the Russian ambassador and talking about how the pressure was off now, they were worried that there was something else going on here, that this wasn't just Donald Trump being the way he is, but that there was something more to it, that there was a concern that he was compromised in some way. And so they took what is no doubt a controversial step, but one that they were taking out of concern that there was more to this than just him being ornery, that there was something else to it. We don't know what they found. We don't know what came of it because it was consumed. They're subsumed into the Mueller probe, which is obviously still going on. But clearly this was a controversial move that they felt they had no other choice but to take.
0: So yesterday, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham said about the investigation, how could the FBI do that? What kinds of checks and balances are there? Did the FBI have the power to open this kind of investigation into the president?
1: Yes, so they certainly had the power. There's there's nothing places the president beyond the scrutiny of the FBI or any other law enforcement official. Um, Obviously, there are institutional checks. Um, All the people involved were rather senior. They all knew that if, that when eventually people learned of what was going on, that they would be held to pay, for lack of a better phrase, that they were gonna have to explain themselves one day for this. But they were concerned that if they chose not to take action, it would actually be a greater bit of professional malpractice, that they had to take this limited, at least this limited step. Mind you, they weren't bringing charges against him. They weren't as far as we know, seeking a FISA warrant against them. But they were running the beginning aspects of what would be a counterintelligence probe to see if there was something more to the president's actions beyond just how he tends to behave and how he can't stand people who aren't supremely loyal to him. They had to make sure there wasn't something, a greater risk, that they would then have to notify Congress about.
0: Also on the weekend... A Washington Post report said that President Trump took interpreters' notes and asked her not to speak about what he and President Putin talked about in Hamburg, Germany in 2017. House Democrats are reportedly discussing subpoenaing the interpreters. Would that run square into an executive privilege claim and problem?
1: Not necessarily because the communications that are at issue, with the interpreter had observed were communications with a foreign government head of state. So the executive privilege isn't going to be there. But there's a separate concern that people have, and legitimately so, about having this individual testify before Congress, at least publicly. And that's that if those details of that meeting come out publicly, it would undermine the ability of this president or any future president to have these private discussions, if that kind of information is going to be revealed to the public, that's you know there's some level of candor and uh, lack of uh, you know prof- you know formality that has to cur- occur in these private meetings. And if it's all going to be made public, people are going to be far more guarded. Obviously, if people know that the interpreter was going to debrief the U.S. government agencies, but if it made, if it's provided in a public forum that's going to harm U.S. national security interests going forward. And I think that's why Congress is a little you know, edgy about just how far they want to go with that.
0: We see a lot of uh, Democrats in the House talking about what's going to happen in the committees. Which committee do you believe will have the most impact on this investigation into the president?
1: Uh, certainly look at Congressman Cummings uh, with the Oversight Committee. That's going to pretty much tear into everything from – the way the foreign policy has been conducted from the president's meetings with Putin to the way that the U.S. government interacts with the Trump uh, private properties like his resorts and his hotels, uh, the way that Ivanka Trump used private email, all those things are going to come under Congressman Cummings' jurisdiction. But you also have to keep an eye on um, sort of this ways and means uh, inquiry with respect to the Trump taxes and things along those lines. Anything that would arise with that would implicate the financial side of the Trump world, those are going to be places where they're going to be kind of shining a light on stuff that the past uh, Congress never really wanted to dive into for political reasons, but this one is certainly willing to do so from an oversight uh, capacity.
0: And of course, we know that President Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, is going to be testifying before Cummings Committee in February. Let's turn to President Trump's choice for. AG, William Barr, and he's going to say in his testimony, it's been announced, that he will let Mueller complete his work and that he'd provide Congress and the public as much of the findings in the Russia investigation as possible. Is that enough, do you think, to make Democratic senators, sort of make them feel more easy with his appointment?
1: Uh, To an extent, somewhat. I mean, I certainly think that they're going to put him through the ringer in a confirmation hearing, and and that'd be legitimately so. Uh, This is, you know, a nomination to become the chief law enforcement official. Certainly, he should be put under uh, the light and the microscope. Um, And his private writings about the legitimacy of the Mueller probe also are worthy of scrutiny. But I think what you'll get the most out of here with these hearings, it's going to be somewhat similar to what we had in the Nixon era with uh, the Attorney General Elliot Richardson, where he gave this vowed to Congress in his nomination hearing that if the president ever tried to shut down or block the special counsel probe going on at that time into Watergate, he would resign. And that was what caused the Saturday Night Massacre. That's why Elliot Richardson resigned when he was told to fire the special counsel. So I think you'll see Democrats trying to impose a similar kind of rule or promise on uh, William Barr. I don't know how far he'll go with it, but it's From a qualification standpoint, he certainly is qualified in credentials. He's served in that position before. He's not a flamethrower. I think he's a decent choice by the president.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Brad. That's Brad Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's in Einstein with Salesforce.